If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. This is Internet Marketing. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. I am joined by Kelvin Newman. Hello Andy and hello everybody listening um, in the, the, the wherever in the world you are. And what are we talking about today, Kelvin? Well, it's a relatively short episode, but um, we're currently at... Goodbye and thank you for listening <laughs> to Internet Marketing. Oh dear. Sorry, I couldn't resist it. Carry Here on, Here all week, enjoy the, enjoy the veal. No, um... So yeah, basically we're putting together a lot of our kind of campaign reviews for um, 2012 in um, SiteViz office at the moment and looking forward to what we're going to be working on in 2013 with our clients um, and the projects we're working on. And as part of that process, I sat down with a few of the guys in the team and talked about what I thought five of the sort of big trends were going to be in um, 2013. And I thought it'd be good to sort of share those with the podcast listeners as well, if that's all right, Andy. It's fine with me. Yeah, do you approve of that? I do approve, yes. Cool, cool. I've cool. signed the, the approval form the in triplicate. The approval form in triplicate. Yep. And, you know, I hope the people listening approve of that as well, or if not, we'll be back next week. Um, so, no, the first of those is structured data. Um, so, Google and the search engines are pouring in, pulling in more and more um, structured data into the search results. And you've probably seen this through rich snippets. That's like where star reviews are coming in or where potentially if you search for a name of a celebrity now you get the bar on the right hand side which shows you what other films they were in with other people and you know or if it's an artist it gives you a link where you can click and is play this, their is this any relation to linked data that that, that, that that Mr. Inventor of the Web has been talking about yeah, a lot it, recently yeah it's yeah, um, Tim Mr. Tim Berners-Lee yes, yeah. I, I momentarily forgot his name sorry yeah. Tim no as if he knew him personally yeah he's going to give you right grief when you see him down the pub tonight isn't he Andy <laughs> um, no um, so yeah it is about exactly that so it's kind of about this kind of you know there is a possibility to mark up your data in a in an internet friendly way but also in a search friendly way that you should probably be exploring now probably the most prevalent of these is schema.org which most of the major search engines are bought into but there's a couple of other buying formats as well so potentially micro formats potentially microdata and rdfa um, but i think for pretty much everyone out there who is running a digital marketing campaign anyone who's running a search campaign you should have explored are there opportunities to mark up your data your database um, in a way that is friendly to the search engines and if you haven't you can explore it and dismiss it right or explore it and go well that's too much effort but if you haven't considered it i think you've missed a bit of an opportunity moving into 2013 next up on my list and this has kind of been a recurring theme over the last sort of i don't know nine or ten podcasts that we've recorded and this is the idea of social signals 
already or potentially in the future becoming far more of a ranking factor. Um, studies have shown that you know more widely shared content tends to rank better. Now, there's an argument about whether it's the sharing that does that or whether it's just the fact that stuff that tends to sh- be shared tends to do better in other metrics. But generally speaking, it, you know, it's, you know, it, you know, that relationship might not be causal at the moment, but I think it's pretty safe to assume that may not be the case forever. And I think that's part of the big reason why I would argue that it's sensible to invest time and effort in Google plus. So what do you need to be doing? We need to understand that the measurement of social signals is important to your SEO effort and that your SEO campaign needs to kind of think about social media to some extent as well. So 2013, anyone who's running an SEO campaign needs to understand how they're going to work with social. Now, again, it might not be something that you do a lot of, but you need to have considered, thought about, and potentially worked into your campaign. If you're not going to do it, you need to know why you're not doing it. If you are going to do it, you need to have a plan. Now, that might mean collaborating with different agencies or different members of your team or or picking up a new skill that perhaps you don't already have if you're working in-house. But 2013, the journey towards social informing where traffic goes online in terms of referrals, but informing where which website should rank highly, it certainly seems to be the way the wind is blowing. So respond to it now while you can still be relatively early to it rather than waiting another six months to the point at which Google make it clear that that is informing their search results. Whether or not it is now or whether at which point in the future that becomes the case, I don't think really matters. We know that's the way it's headed. You want to try and get ahead of the curve a little bit there as well. Um. Mobile search and responsive web design. Now, I'm not going to say 2013, the year of the mobile. You know, everyone's done that, right? But we know from all of the sites that we work on, that we run um, campaigns for, for our clients, that every month they're getting more mobile traffic than they did the month before in pretty much every case. Um, So you need to be responding to that and understand that. And the best way of, you know, you need to understand that more and more searches are being completed on mobile devices. Now, Google have stated, and Google very rarely state anything on the record, um, that their preference for people on mobile search is to use responsive design. And responsive design is where the same page is reordered or shaped Mm. to work on different Mm. mobiles and tablets um, rather than serving different URLs or other options like IP detection and then going, okay, they're on a mobile, so we'll take them to mobile. Mm. Um, So if in 2013 you are planning on redesigning your website, you must consider making responsive part of um, your specification process. Can I make a suggestion to yeah. our two listeners? Um, <laughs> There's more than two listeners, that, that will probably result There's thousands. Okay, three, two thousand. Um, it, I hope this... Okay. Look at Twitter Bootstrap. Now, I'm not suggesting everyone uses Twitter Bootstrap, mm-hmm. but it's a nice example of how you can use standardised bits of CSS yeah. and JavaScript to make your website responsive. So that, for example, if somebody squashes it down or looks at it in on an iPad or um, an iPhone, the menu rearranges itself so it's mm. nice and navigable still, mm. but it moves around and becomes mm. less lateral and more sort of columnar. Mm. Um, but have a look at Twitter Bootstrap. Um, there is a danger that all websites will end up looking the same. Yeah. But I think Twitter Bootstrap is a good example, and I think there are other frameworks you can look at as well. Certainly HTML5. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's the way to head. And I mean, what I would say is don't go down and just buy, like use WP Touch if you're on WordPress and get those mm. automated templates there. I don't think that's the solution. There's still, just because you're on a mobile 
site doesn't mean design becomes irrelevant, right? These phones have good internet access. They have the ability to deal with images and, you know, render nice fonts and all that type of thing. It doesn't have to be an ugly experience. But um, rather than have a, you know, m.kelvinswebsite.com, you're much better having kelvinswebsite.com that works on a desktop, that works on a tablet, that works on a mobile phone. And in many cases, more and more people in the UX world are kind of, advocating this mobile first strategy so actually you design for the mobile and you improve because so basically the historic way of looking at it is here's my desktop website what do i have to degrade or take mm. away to make it work on a tablet or do i have to degrade or take away and that's to an make interesting it work approach whereas actually it should be how can i start with the best possible mobile and um you know design and improve upon that mm. for the additional functionality that the the bigger screen allows you it, to it have. forces you to make it simple as well doesn't it it's a good way of doing it, yeah. So, yeah, if you're going for a site redesign, responsive layout should be part of the spec. And if you're already getting a high proportion of your traffic from um, mobile, it might be worth retrospectively trying to make your design responsive. If it's possible, uh, particularly if you're on a popular content management system like WordPress or um, Drupal. Okie doke. Um, number four of my five um, big trends is kind of Siri and APIs for discovery. So... Siri as in, let me help you with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Siri, I don't think it's quite there yet, but I think it, it's, it's an indication of the way that we'll be heading, and Siri might not be the best implementation or solution to this problem, but if you think about how Siri works, it's quite an interesting perspective on how search potentially will work. Cause, so I think if you, if, you, if you consider the purpose of what a search marketer is trying to do, is try and help people who want to buy something or do something discover it, Right, but that the method of discovery that we use is kind of moving away from search or navigating to it, and more about kind of discovery in broader senses as well. So, people are finding content on apps on a great number of devices, often that are kind of very you know different from search interfaces. So, if I open up, okay, so I got Uber, one of the taxi apps, right? Which is a, I open that up and it shows me who of their drivers are nearby, mm. right? Now, I haven't searched for anything there. I haven't typed in taxis near or taxi firms in, Mm. you know, Holborn. But what I have done is my iPhone has understood that I'm searching for taxis as a thing in a place where I am, which is determined by my GPS, and showing me the results of that search Mm. and the results of that search in a visual way. Now, it's still a search, right? But it's done through an API. And I think that Will Critchlow um, kind of made this point at the last Brighton SEO, where actually most companies online are really just a database, right? A database of information or products or things. Um, and the, the the website is just an interface into that database. Right, that they've got. We're coming on to linked data again, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know... So actually, maybe your marketing in 2013 should be asking about, well, how can we give the people who aren't searching in a conventional sense access to my database? And how do we convert those people into customers? Um, And, you know, I think people think, oh, well, you know, I can see how Twitter would have an API, but I wouldn't have an API. You'd be surprised. I think pretty much every company, there is a potential for an API. Um, They could have an API. Now, whether there currently is the financial motivation to have that, maybe not. But I think it's worth kind of getting three or four of your key team together, you know, going out for a beer or a coffee or, you know, taking, you know, playing a game of table football, whatever it is you do in your office and having a chat about 
what could our API be for our business? And I think a good example of a business that you wouldn't expect to have an API is The Guardian. They've got an API for their content. So content business, why would they have an API? There are all these kinds of APIs or ways for people to access your data that can send you business and hopefully customers and hopefully money. And just for those of you that don't know what an API is, it stands for Application Program Interface. That sounds right to me. And it's just a way of um, computer programs to access data in a sort of unified, simple way. Yeah, and this is a little, my next and final trend is kind of this shifting line in what is acceptable links. It's a, I've used this quote in a three or four podcasts recently. Google isn't the enemy, right? They're just the referee. Um, and Google have rightly been cracking down on what they decided to be manipulative, manipulative link building practices. And as those parameters are change, changing, um, what perhaps might have been an acceptable tactic in the past is perhaps no longer as valuable. So we understand that the, the barometer of what is a good link is shifting slightly. So you need to understand where your ex- existing links are coming from and have a, a risk assessment, right, um, of where my links are, ones which Google I know definitely don't like, ones which I expect Google won't like in the future and ones which I think are you know, future-proof. So you need to have done, for most cases, if you're conducting any kind of extensive link-building campaign, you need to have carried out a risk assessment of your backlink portfolio and understanding how exposed you are to potential future updates in the search algorithm. So yeah, they're my mm. big trends. So that there is, as he scrolls back through his notes. Um, oh, you're how do you get the right way? Your notes all yeah. online there, uh, there, Calvin. So the first of those trends, structured data. Second of those trends, social signals as a ranking factor. Third of those trends, mobile search and particularly responsive web design. Fourth, the changing way in which... Um, Syrian APIs are potentially um, forming a part of the way people discover content online. And finally, the shifting line in what is and isn't an acceptable link. As Kelvin puts away his crystal ball and takes off his dress. I'm not wearing it. Well, I could be. Who would know? Who would know? That is, is not, I'm, I'm just kidding. Okay, well, thanks for that, Kelvin. That's brilliant. Do we know, and I suspect we don't, what we, we talk don't. about next time? We don't. We're, we're waiting to see. So, um, but we've all, as always, send us in some good questions if you've got any, and we'll try and include them in future shows. I know we've got a few good ones waiting to go. Or if you think that there's someone out there who we should interview or have a chat with online, do let us know. And again, alternatively, if there's a topic that you'd like us to cover, um, where you think, I'd really love to know what Andy and Kelvin think about whatever it is, let us know and we'll try and include that in a future episode. Fantastic. I've been Andy White. I've been Kevin Newman. And this has been Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. Thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number, if you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. If you're inside the UK, it's O one two seven three two five six one five oh. And you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well that's it for now. Andy White signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. 
Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.